Hi, you're listening to Estranged, and it's been, um, how long has it been? Oh, well, it feels like a long time, because we did the live one before. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really Which was like that. last week, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I guess it hasn't been that long at all. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we are thinking of doing a double feature today. Um, one of them is The Devil, probably. This is like a 1977 film by uh, Robert Bresson. And a 2014 film uh, called Two Days, One Night by Dar the, the Darden Brothers, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, they're both pretty kind of like heavy, I guess. What did you think about uh, The Devil, probably? You said you saw it in I, college or something? Yeah, yeah, no, I, re I really like it. I really, um, it's such like flat delivery. What do you think about that? The, the fact, the way that it's acted so weird <laughs> so I feel kind of like I feel kind of like uh, like maybe Rooney Mara and Ryan Gosling and like Joaquin yeah. Phoenix to some extent or maybe before he did Joker uh, like they grabbed a lot from this type of just like very dry deliveries it's almost like yeah. reading directly from the script yeah, like, like I mean, this time is, it's, it's almost like a lot of it is like questionable acting, let's be honest. But um, I don't, I wonder if they're like how because I, I mean, the, the main actor, I think, I, I haven't seen him in any other movies of that era, so mm -hmm. I wonder if they're just non actors. Did yeah. you notice um, there's like a very brief appearance of the main actress from The Green Ray in it? No, I didn't, I didn't see it. I mean, she not gives, that part. I didn't notice it. She gives she gives a lot. She gives a line in that, and uh, there's like a gathering in the church. Where oh yeah, kind of arguing. Yeah, <laughs> they were each of the characters. It's like one line. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Somebody else goes. Da, 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 da. No, I think it does. You know, it's reflective of the overall um, hollowness of the sentiment of the main character. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was thinking so about we like, little... what we do because. Uh, uh, Peter was making fun of us the other day because it's like yeah. uh, we talk about a movie and then for the I mean it's supposed to be like a, a, a podcast about movies but we only sort of mention the movie and then we go on to talk about you know whatever whatever we want but I was thinking yeah. that maybe it's right because it's uh they're not really like deep analysis of the movies and whatever like how the camera moves or the color or whatever mm -hmm. it's more just like a pairing of ideas yeah, I mean, it's a theoretical analysis of the ideological perspective. <laughs> yeah, I just got... I guess, I mean, like, yeah. I just got a couple of Todd's books uh, from, like, early 2000s. Uh -huh. Like, explicitly on film, because he's been doing more stuff with, yeah, um, yeah like, Emancipation and Universality and all yeah. that. Did you get his new yeah. one, The Identity Politics? No, I was going to get it on Kindle. Well, we... we Todd will be coming on next week, so I want to read it over the weekend yeah. in advance. It's not that long. It's like uh, 150 pages or something. Interesting. And uh, he's not uh, what's called controversial and he won't get cancelled for his takes mm -hmm. in the book. Well, the thing is that like his language and the way that he approaches things is so yeah. divorced from... like. I think he's very aware of what words would trigger yeah. someone that is yeah. like a liberal. So he avoids it completely yeah. by saying the exact same thing, but with a different language and a sort of like a consideration. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Very good. I mean, maybe we should, um, what I was going to say just before we start actually talking about the movies, we should maybe say something about um, Michael Brooks and how sad that, it is that he died. Um, yeah. I actually, I think like just the other day I was texting you saying, oh, we should get Michael Brooks on. Maybe like actually yeah. on Sunday or something. Literally the day and before, I think. Yeah. It sucks. He was really somebody who was able to get people's defenses down and mm -hmm. just, you know, address <laughs> people and be nice to people and really... Also, um, I watched uh, a video that his um, sister did. Yeah. Uh, and actually, somebody mentioned it on a Reddit forum that we go on, both of us. Um, yeah. And anyway, there's um, just what she, this is something that she said about uh, where Michael was in his thinking. And I just think it's, I don't know, I think he really was one of the few people who was um, 
who had a you know genuinely humane and universalist and correct position and I think yeah. it, you know such a loss but so he said she said that Michael was so done with cancel culture and identity politics he was mm -hmm. saying so clearly we need to build a world where people can listen to one another through all their differences without shutting down or turning to violence yeah. that together we need to not define who we are um, that we're all in this together which did not mean that we should give up the fight for peace and justice or not treat people with integrity and respect but that we fight that fight more skillfully and yeah. I think we were just talking about this just before we um, got on the recording that, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> we, we like to be completely non-PC and everything like that. But, you know, it's like important to win people over and be nice to people. Well, also the thing when, about this, yeah. the thing about fighting as a, as a, you know, a subject, it, it, it also it also means that we don't all fight at the same time. It means that mm -hmm. like it, like some like certain groups get to sort of rest and theorize at some point and yeah. take a step back yeah. while others are fighting. But at this point, it just seems like, yeah, yeah, there there needs like there needs to be a change in personnel, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. It needs to be like a change in ethos. And then she's, she also said that he said, um, so he just really wanted to focus on integrity and basic needs mm -hmm. for people and all the other noise and diversification of the ruling class or whatever everyone's obsessed with. And the virtue signaling, he was just like, it's just going to be co-opted co by capitalism and used against other people and vilify people and make it easy to extract labor from them. I mean, yeah. I guess we completely agree with that. I just feel like Michael had to be so careful about what he said in regards to cancel culture and all that, because it's so taboo. And you know what? He's fucking dead now. And it stressed him out. He thought it was mm. toxic. And to all the people that are obsessed with that, it is toxic, and I'm glad that I can just say that uh, that I can just say that and stand with him, and no one can take him down by misconstruing that now. Yeah, yeah. You know what's funny? Um, I mean, it's a it's a it's a huge loss, and it's it's very sad. Mm -hmm. um, but something funny happened to me last year, where yeah. I kind of got confused because uh, I wasn't too aware of Michael Brooks, and mm -hmm. I confused him with T Tadeus Russell. Do you know who that guy is? I do, but I've heard the name. Yeah, Tadeus Russell went on, on Zero Books podcast and he was basically mm -hmm. just like... Oh, oh yeah, I listened to that. Like, he, was, he was like the yeah, fuck Marx yeah. guy. Like, he's just... Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, And I thought that was him. And I was like, oh, yeah. was, he, was he really like that much of a leftist? But no. Uh, then I Do you know... Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say something similar happened to me. I confused him with, like, a couple of years ago now, like, somebody who I felt was like a real phony leftist. Yeah. And I actually had this like debate with Peter about him. Peter who knew Michael was like, no, you're completely wrong. And I was completely wrong. Cause, but I had confused it with somebody else who he had appeared on an episode with. And yeah, no. And then it was actually only after that like uh, disagreement a couple of years ago that I really like got into Michael's work. And I, he was one of the few people who amongst, I mean, I guess we, he would, I was part of quote unquote bread tube, which I don't think is that really leftist personally um, but you know he he was really good really yeah good. We, um well yeah um it, we wanted to have him on uh sadly that that can't happen anymore um but yeah we're gonna have todd next week and then if mm -hmm. you guys listening uh have any suggestions for somebody that we can invite on uh, that'd be great. I mean, a another one that we've mentioned before is uh, Alenka Zapancic. I think it would be great mm -hmm. to have her. I mean, she's really good speaking. Mm -hmm. I've, I've heard a couple of videos with her and, and read a couple of her books, and she's great. Mm -hmm. Michael Brooks definitely can't happen. Maybe we could have uh, Connor Habib on, and he can try to contact uh, Michael Brooks through a Ouija board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good friends, yeah. But he, he, yeah, maybe he has the power. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, amazing. Okay, so... Yeah, the two movies are The Devil Probably and Two Days One Night. Are we going to do like the summary of like what quote unquote happens in the movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you want to? Okay. We should start with uh, Two Days One Night if you want to give. Okay, a, Two a Days One Night. Let's do that. Yeah. Okay, so it is about a woman who has um, gone through some kind of like depressive episode whereby she couldn't work, and she she works at a factory in in Belgium. And during the time that she was off work, she's just sort of gradually got herself back together and she wants to return. It was decided um, at the company there are like 16 workers and that without her, they were able to do the work that she did by doing a couple of hours 
you know, overtime a week and that they um, voted to um, eliminate her, her role essentially and take her salary as a bonus between the workers. Um, and basically the premise is that um, a friend of the main character uh, discovers that this vote was potentially fraudulent, that it was influenced by the manager who told the workers, well, if her job's not eliminated, then it's you. So she goes to the um, boss of the company and says, look, this fraudulent thing has happened. I want us to uh, have another vote on Monday. It's Friday afternoon. Yeah. So the main character has two days and one night over the weekend to visit members of her, of the team she works with. Um, to try to persuade them to not take the bonus, but for her to keep her job. And so she's, you know, very, very depressed at the beginning. She's relying on pills. And the idea is that, you know, she they might have to go back to social housing if she doesn't get her job. And um, so she, she goes on this journey and convinces some, doesn't convince others, but there's a vote again on the Monday morning. And mm. the vote is basically essentially a tie. She marginally loses the vote to keep her job. But basically the transforma- transformation happens that through this act of encountering others and kind of this solidaristic mode and that she wins over some people and some people she can't, but, you know, she becomes closer to them. That is the transformation and she's able to kind of like get over her, well, we, we don't know what happens in the future, but, you know, we can kind of like glean from what happens in the final scenes that she gets over her depression. Yeah by reconnecting like in a solidaristic way with those she works with and it's almost like I don't you know I don't know what her structure is psychoanalytically speaking but it's almost like meaning is reinstated I mean I don't know how much you know about like mourning and melancholia and stuff but essentially Mm. you know mourning slash melancholia the similar things but extremely different depending on like the structure of the person but like it's essentially like when somebody dies let's say with mourning Mm-hmm. you know meaning is ripped is ripped from from your your world temporarily and you kind of overcome your morning by reinstating meaning after the loss of this person like what yeah. does the world look like without this person without this thing so mm-hmm. she's able to like reinstate meaning um and essentially like begin again and i also think it's interesting yeah, I, sorry go ahead no that was it well, I, I, I think it's very interesting that the way that she reinstates meaning into her life mm-hmm. is by abandoning precisely what she thinks that can bring meaning back into her life. Does that make sense? Like, by saying okay. no to getting her job back, um, mm-hmm. she she finds meaning in that. So maybe, because mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting, like, she takes Xanax, for example, and, uh, you know, she's kind of, like, dependent on that. But... Taking Xanax, which is meant to be sort of like a solution uh, to the problems that she that she's going with with the job and depression, um, by taking that to like its extreme, it's it is basically her destruction. And it seems to me that if she would have stayed or accepted the job back in the end, um, mm-hmm. that would have also meant her death because she would have been surrounded by people that would have voted against her. Um, yeah. And there will be like this tension that will be definitely sort of like inflate her, mm-hmm. her, um, her, her depression. Yeah, no, I should also add, yeah, that the when when you say she says no to her job, basically there's a little kind of scene at the end where mm-hmm. she's after the vote, she's brought into the boss's office, and the boss says, you know, they had thought that she was too weak or wasn't capable of her job because yep. of her mental state, but through this act of going around and convincing people and taking her life into her own hands. She convinced them that she, you know, was a good personality for a worker and she's proved herself and they'd like her to, uh, to you know, to come back, but that basically somebody else would have to leave their job. Um, and she obviously says no. Um, but yeah, no, so it's interesting that she... The, she, the black guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that she, she, uh, she essentially says no to it. But yeah, but that, the... To me, it's like she's able to say no because she's um, she's reinstated like her her kind of I don't know quilting point or whatever like her her meaning as a person in relation to others. Yeah. And she's able to say no at the end, yeah. which yeah, it's funny because when I first saw the film in twenty fourteen, I kind of thought it was a bit patronizing. Like sometimes I find you know when you have this kind of like wealthy actors and actresses playing working class people it can come across as a bit sort of like I'm getting an Oscar for Mm. you know wallowing in 
something that I don't experience at all. But obviously, I mean, that's kind of what acting is. But yeah. I actually kind of really read it differently this time, and that it was it's about solidarity. Yeah. Um, so it's actually like a, a really positively political film. Yeah, and it's about solidarity, and also about sort of like uh, the 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 contingency of solidarity, which sometimes mm -hmm. ends in complete failure. Um, yeah. But that it's still, I mean, it, the, the film pretty much like sort of ends with the, with the like, you know, the, the we put up a good fight uh, with the yeah. to, to this other guy. And um, I think it's about that. Solidarity is not really about the union, but it's about the capacity to fight with others. Um, yeah. Even if it means, you know, that things might end in some, some kind of way. Yeah. No, it's interesting because um, I had written, I've just got some notes here and I said, there's no meaning of life, but rather meaning in life. Like, obviously somebody yeah. has said this a million times before me and I don't know who, but like, <laughs> in the end, there's no meaning. She doesn't, she doesn't win. There's no meaning, but the meaning comes in her, the act yeah. of connecting with other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those movies that it's like, I mean, it's it's very sort of like solemn and uh, uh, what's the word? Sort of like austere, I guess. It's it's like, mm -hmm. it's very, you know, very European. Um, mm -hmm. It reminds me of like some of those like uh, um, passages from like Welbeck when he's like at his most depressing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just like, it's, it's just, you know, it's a slow burn, but it's at the same time, because she's like trying to create solidarity with her co-workers yeah um yeah you know it's there's like this sort of like time limit on the whole thing which makes it also have sort of like a european take on like a, a kind of not a thriller but a sort of just yeah just like this yeah yeah i mean yeah i just have the ticking clock i mean that's like a yeah. real trope in like hollywood movies you know something has a mission has to be accomplished before the whole world explodes on this day in this time so yeah, yeah she does uh it yeah no it does really have a conventional like uh, narrative structure but yeah yeah i mean it's just it's i guess when i when i watched it before and i felt it was like patronizing it's like god you're it's sort of like commodifying um for the people at the wealthy people at can who are going to watch it you know somebody's I, I don't know i'm not saying it's like poverty porn or something but you know mm -hmm. um but that's obviously a really stupid argument because that's the same saying that like people who aren't gay can't play gay people which i think is a really dumb thing yeah. um but, but it, you were... it actually is the opposite of what i kind of felt when i first watched them yeah but you were talking about like how how uh you don't like watching these movies when it when they have like rich people uh just like pretending to be sort of like oppressed or whatever um you mean like the, i think the main in actress? real life yeah, yeah the main life. <laughs> i think it's life seeping it hard i didn't like i didn't like uh I mean, this is a personal problem of mine, but I don't like um, wealthy people pretending or using all kinds of, you know, convenient yeah. victim, quote unquote. Yeah, it's like there's like issues as a cudgel. Yeah, it's you know? it's like fetishizing victimhood as an art form, mm -hmm. which is yeah. pretty obscene, actually. <laughs> yeah, um, but I think that you know, the but film I don't is know. I mean, like Marion Cotillard. Sorry. I think I think like watching it again, like the film is like really dignified. You know, I feel like it doesn't glorify it or anything. You know, or doesn't um, doesn't commiserate or anything. Yeah. You know, it, well, maybe maybe a little bit, but I really kind of. <laughs> I guess it's, it's interesting, you know, when you watch. And maybe I was in a completely different move, mood when I watched it before, but I felt I was like, yeah, I felt maybe that it was a bit sort of. Um, like patronizing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. There's a long gap before I said the word. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you completely, but um, also I have a soft spot for her, so she can do whatever she wants. I'm, I'm, like, she can I'm do like, whatever, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting because, like, I feel like the films are quite similar. Mm -hmm. uh, the Devil, probably, and Two Days One Night, in that I, I mean, I don't know whether this, I think this woman is a, a neurotic, and I would say that. The main character in The Devil probably is like a psychotic structure. Yeah. Um, but they similarly, I mean, they deal with the question of like meaning of life and meaning in life and like trying to instantiate meaning and returning to the world. 
And this is related to the Lacanian idea of the non-duped earth, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. So the non the non-duped earth, so uh, in French, uh, les non-duped earth, mm-hmm. so, which is the non-duped, uh, I mean, I just said it in English, obviously, but it sounds the same, obviously, as le, le actually, maybe, I don't, I, I've really thought it was like, the non-duped earth was like, in the plural, but maybe it's not, but le non-duped the, sorry, the, the nom du père is the name of the father. Yeah. So the name of the father, that which like instantiates the symbolic order for the yeah. child, and that essentially, yeah. So <laughs> this is where this is where like we can see that Lacan is not the uh, not a hippie. <laughs> Let's just yeah. say. No, I yeah, mean he was like the, the, I think he was kind of conservative actually, but yeah, um, yeah, exactly. yeah, basically, basically Lacan's idea is that um, I mean it's basically Oedipus complex. Um, there's the there's this desire of the the child to want to become one with the mother, and but there's there's something that is stopping him from doing that, and that's the father, the no of the father. I mean it's, it's interesting. So it has like a three. Lacan would like to do this a lot, giving uh, giving phrases that would have di- multiple meanings depending on how you read it. So yeah, it was like the name of the father, but also in French it sounded like the no of the father, no as in like the the sort of like the injunction to a prohibition of of something that you know to be one with the mother, um, and also the 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 errors of the people that are like non non duped. Um, which is if if the father function is absent from someone from someone's subjectivity, uh, basically they, they 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 are not inscribed into the symbolic order, which is the the sort of like the register of the law, the register of prohibitions, and the register also where signification is possible. Um, so yeah, I think it's interesting in the movie that uh, there's like. I really like, for example, the scene where the guy goes to his uh, to his psychologist, and the guy basically mm-hmm. tells him it's like, um, don't, uh, he doesn't really want to do anything. He's just kind of like lost, lost in life. The guy, the main guy, and um, and 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 the the, the psychologist tells him like, well, don't you at least get pleasure from from non action? And then the guy tells him like, I get pleasure from despair. And I thought that was interesting because. Doesn't that sort of remind you of something, <laughs> which is uh, that a lot of people are getting pleasure from their despair right now. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people are sort of like fixated completely on their on on, on their sort of like uh, uh, traumas, on their mm-hmm. on their weaknesses, on their suffering, and it's interesting. Like, what is what is the, what is like what is the connection there? It's like identity politics or woke people mm-hmm. are in their adherence to disparity. It's like they have mm-hmm. an inability to inhabit the illusion of identity. Uh, yeah. Like if they're possessed by a drive of uh, like towards a, a, a legitimization of the individual rather than the illusion of its le- legitimization. So they're like... It's, yeah. I was going to say that I find it weird. It is weird when you think about it that all of these things are associated with the left. Because, yeah. like, to me, all of that stuff is just not left-wing at all. It's purely capitalistic. Yeah. And it's and it's basically a desperate adherence to the belief in the lost object or the yeah. power of the lost object that leads you into despair and then all you're left with is sort of a fetishization of your own despair yeah. and a kind of, like, uh, anger and uh, resentiment. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Which, to me, is, like, that's a right-wing... That's a right-wing... Like, the left is basically you know, trying to uh, clearly make clear that the lost object doesn't exist. Yeah. And therefore you can, like, enjoy life as it is. Right. And I don't know if you saw it, but, like, when the whole Black Lives Matter thing was, like, fashionable a few weeks ago, um, there was a, there was a sort of, there was something that, that, that I don't know, I don't know who said it. It was like a May Angelou type of poet or something. But she changed basically the thing. It's like 
God help me to accept the things I can't change. And, and mm -hmm. it became sort of a, a, a thing. It's like, a, God grant me the courage to change the things that I can't accept, which is basically uh, a sort of a, a psychotic move towards um, uh, being non-duped. Because the mm -hmm. reality mm -hmm. of life is that there are things mm -hmm. that can't change. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't yeah. fight to get them changed. But yeah. precisely, if you don't fight to change capitalism and you are constantly sort of like uh, 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 complaining about sort of like the, the, the abject uh, consequences of capitalism, um, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, it, it comes with the package. Unless you yeah. oppose the whole system, I mean, you, you, yeah. you really can't complain. And you can't have the courage to change things that you cannot accept. Uh, uh, yeah. Because you are accepting them through the exactly. acceptance of the structure itself. Um, exactly. But yeah, there's like, uh, the way that I saw it is like, I mean, I, the guy from the movie, the, the, the devil probably, I, I, you know, he was kind of annoying, at least to me. Uh, it reminded me of sort of like the like the infantilization of adults, like via narcissism mm -hmm. that is like just completely rampant right now. It's like and what is narcissism? It's like basically the investment of enjoyment onto the ego rather than mm -hmm. investment in objects. So narcissism yeah. is basically the inability to see beyond like my truth, you know, in quotations or the acceptance of a particular truth. Um, mm -hmm. And it's funny that like. It, you know, it, it, there is a there is basically a sort of like narcissism that that comes with that sort of like fixation with suffering, um, because it becomes the whole thing, and at the same time, there is no calculation that is acceptable to measure somebody else's suffering. So you can basically just like say that you are suffering, and people just have to take your word for it, but. How is that yeah. not something that is just like being addressed? The fact that people are also, you know, they're, they're completely capable of suffering um, as, you know, through their identity or whatever. But at the same time, mm -hmm. like, uh, it's, it's incalculable. And how can you not sort of take into account the fact that, you know, what, what they say is, is like the heart is deceiving above all things. Uh, mm -hmm. The truth that we give ourselves is never whole. It's 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 fragmented. I mean, it reminds me of this thing that Lacan said, and he would say like, "I always speak the truth, but it's never the whole truth." Uh, so mm -hmm. there is always an, an element of truth to it, but it's never yeah. something that that you know it like it, it merits sort of like narcissism or justifies Absolutely. narcissism. It's interesting, it's like subjectivity just literally becoming solipsism. And this is where I think like subjectivity, yeah. <laughs> an interest in subjectivity versus solipsism is like the belief that there is nothing that exists beyond yourself. Mm -hmm. Because you can't, you can't prove that anything other, other exists than what you experience through your, your subjectivity. Therefore, you know, the world is just a projection of your imagination or whatever. But, which is obviously, you know, ridiculous. But the, the thing is, it's like, it's it's like the literal, it's like, it's like inability to speak metaphor. Do you know what I mean? It's like, as you said, like ice... I seek the truth, but never the whole truth. And this is the thing, it's like, it's very literalistic. And it's almost like when you enter into the symbol, like, so a neurotic person who's entered into the symbolic order, entered into like language, is able to like create metaphor and understand metaphor and create jokes and understand jokes. But yeah. like, when you're not like duped, you're not like within the kind of like symbolic order. Yeah. It's like it's only literalism that works. Yeah. You know, it's it's it, you know, I don't know if it. I don't think it's Lacan who said this. I think it was that like basically like a, a psychotic person can't can't form new metaphors. Mm -hmm. They might be able to like learn a metaphor, but they wouldn't be able to like create a new one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, um, and it's interesting because like, okay, so what is this sort of like adherence to like let let's say the social justice warrior or whatever. What does the social justice warrior want? Is it social justice or is it the phallus? Because what is a, like, what is a world without destruction? What is a world without injustice? It's, it's the phallus. I mean, it's, it's basically wanting sort of like a, a reality without contradiction. And uh, mm -hmm. I mean, it's it, it's to me basically sort of like the answer to sort of like the infantile adults of, of our day. And it's just like, the desire for 
for exploiting sort of like suffering is desire for the mother. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and it, it, it is not sort of like the know of the father, an introduction into the law. I mean, a law that protects us yeah. from the imaginary object of, of the phallus. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. interesting. And I, and I don't know. I like that. I like, for example, what Zizek says that, that perhaps what is the most important thing right now for yeah. people that are like millennials, I guess, is to be disciplined. Um, there's this, uh, like there's another scene in the movie where the guy's friends are basically sort of just like confronting him because he's been acting sort of weird and everything. And and they, they, I think it's when they are at, uh, like a poetry reading or something like that. Mm -hmm. And the guy speaks up and the girl, the girl is just like, shut up. You just like, you don't do anything because you only want to understand things and to understand things sometimes require discipline. But at the same time, discipline is also the courage to be able to act. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's just like how the non do dare um, by being overtaken by this sort of like my truth thing. And uh, yeah, it's just like at the same time, like is social justice what is being done by the social justice warrior? And I don't think so. I think it's more about enjoyment and fixation and and wanting to be at one with the mo- with the mother rather than mm-hmm. actual social justice which is a lot more sober and uh yeah um, yeah and, and factual and pragmatic and real exactly, um, so, so basically the, the 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 movie is about um a young um guy in paris sort of uh early 20s student type age who travels amongst you know a, a branch of society that's kind of young uh, leftists, uh, you know, wealthy young leftists, basically, whatever, yeah. lol. Anyway, uh, um, and basically, you know, he goes to, he, he's, uh, I mean, there's various kind of, like, love relationships and stuff, but the essential of it is he becomes disillusioned with the work and can't find any meaning in life and um, pays someone to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because it's very simple. I think I was telling you, I had I wrote a script a while ago that I was going to try to get made and then I decided maybe I want to keep it for myself and do something else with it. Yeah. And I'm actually thinking of releasing it. It's like an audio thing. But it's um, a modern day, like, retelling of the outsider that we imagine through the side of the, non, the non-duped air and, like, changing the ending because I think, like, yes. the guy is, is a psychotic. I mean, it's interesting, like, within the outsider, you know, the sea, la mer, French, you know, it's just prevalent and he's obviously, anyway, it's a long story, but yeah, it's a very similar thing. I have to like readdress it because I can't remember what like the point I made at the end was that basically he has to kill himself because, um, oh God, I literally can't remember. I should have actually thought about this because I was thinking about um, drawing an analogy before we started recording and I can't remember, but I have to like revisit it and think about what the general point was. Yeah. Um, but the um, but you know he he can't like he can't instantiate meaning the only meaning that he can eventually instantiate is like literally killing himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, one of the things so there's a there's a documentary filmmaker who's part of his you know entourage um, and he makes lots of documentaries about climate change. Yeah. And um, there's one thing that he said which I think is. I don't know, it'll be interesting your take on this, and this is something that you can kind of see within the whole climate change movement. So he says, um, la terre est de plus en plus habitée, mais de plus en plus inhabitable, which means like the earth is more and more lived in by people, but less and less inhabitable. So the yeah. more people that exist, the more the earth can't take us. Which, I don't know, I, I always ha- I have like a bit of a, I struggle with, because obviously that's literally true. But what do you think about that, that idea of, um, you well, know, climate yeah. change caused by our consumption no. is too many of us and all this kind of stuff? No, no. I mean, okay, so so uh, Zizek is always talking about this thing. is just like, how can I understand another if I don't even understand myself? Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't mean to conjure up here like triple O, but yeah. it definitely, like, how do we understand the workings and the functions of nature if we don't even understand ourselves? And I'm not saying that. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, one of the reasons why I think uh, Zizek says that is because of the unconscious. And it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean that nature would have to have an unconscious 
to to in order for us to be able to interact with it or or for it to、mm-hmm. be able to be read or non-read, but it is our unconscious that doesn't allow us even through evidence and even through the factual. Empirical data or whatever to be able to reasonably look at what is sort of like the function and the ebb and flow of nature, it's impossible.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, there's always going to be a desire to sort of like include into it、uh, a sort of like an alarmist sort of point of view. Why? Because like science is also imbued with enjoyment. And guess what? The apocalypse, like the apocalyptical is sorry, apocalyptical, apocalyptic is enjoyable. Uh, mm-hmm. And and it distorts sort of like what is meant to be empirical.、Um, as、yeah. soon as it's as soon as it's spoken beyond numbers, it all it's already、mm-hmm. uh, signified, and it, it is sort of like warped by the unconscious. Exactly, and I think this is going back to like what we we're saying about literalism. It's like yeah, the symbolic order is like obviously warped by the real and the unconscious. So yeah, to to as soon as yeah we become creatures of language, like that is. Like the, nature creates the unconscious because we are natural beings, we have an unconscious. Yeah. And I just, yeah, it's just funny, like a statement like that. In well, I mean, I, don't you think though that like we have an unconscious because we are unnatural, <laughs> which is why we can't read nature. We don't understand. Well, I think I think we're we're natural. We're naturally unnatural. <laughs> yeah. As in, like contingent natural causes generate the unconscious. Like it's completely, it's a completely like. Rationally irrational thing.、Mm-hmm. Like I think you can like completely like biologically explain it. Yeah.、Um, I mean, I'm just that, thinking because of like、yeah. a, 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 that like subjectivity. Remember that like it's the the texting grimaces of of the yeah. universe. Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. Exactly. But we yeah we don't we because we have language we don't fit. Yeah. But like we we don't fit because of our nature. Exactly. Which yeah. Um. So yeah, but I, I it's interesting like that statement. Which okay, it's like potentially this is the thing. It's true, but also untrue.、Mm-hmm. You know, is it necessarily the fact that that's the case? Well, it is, and it isn't. <laughs> and also, it's like the fact that they choose to focus on that as the issue. Yeah, it's like the it's like the the kind of like、um, anti-consumerist. I mean, obviously, like I'm personally, I don't like consumerism. I personally, <laughs> whatever. But you know, I'm not、yeah. like ideologically that I'm not against enjoyment. And、um, I've said this a bunch of times already, but it's just、um, I just love that you won't get a new iPhone because you don't want to go to the Apple Store. Oh yeah, horrible! Oh, horrible! <laughs>、um, but the but yeah, this this fixation on the fact that it's just there's too many people, and therefore that's why climate change has happened. So well,、yeah. that's not necessarily. You know, we all know that's not necessarily. Let's say if there were scientific advancements that that was permitted. You know, it's. I don't know. It's、um, yeah. But yeah, no. As soon as as soon as language is involved in like anything to do with an observation of nature,、yeah. it is it is warped. And I, this is I think this is the thing like with this is where analytic philosophy fails. It doesn't take into consideration the unconscious. So、yeah. when Chomsky's confronted with reading some French theory, he's like, I don't get it. And and also likewise when French theory gets plonked in to university settings where.、Yeah. Students and teachers are not well versed in the idea of dialectics, and you get this like contorted, bastardized, capitalized upon crap. Yeah, like Derrida. Called, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, I mean, critical, critical theory in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.、Oh, so、yeah, even worse. Yeah. Yeah,、um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. It's a, and it's it, it's it's really difficult to. I think we talked about it in the, in the last episode. We talked about athlete A, and then、mm-hmm. you know how you can go along with analysis of of an objective truth and kind of a reading of a situation, and then how it flips into this totalizing ideological vision that does the opposite, does、yeah. precisely what it claims to be against. Yeah. Definitely. So again, you know, with it, with the athlete A thing, it comes to you know a reading of this. These power dynamics in a capitalistic system and age different differentials and belief in a lost object of achieving a gold medal all lead these conditions to basically,、um, you know, be be fertile ground for abuse. Yeah. Okay. Correct. And then right now we become the moral crusaders. We 
we are now the ones through our suffering who have the power and we inflict this upon the person who who instigated the abuse and we now become a form of performative you know whatever <laughs> it, do you see what i mean <laughs> you say the words but you know i mean how it, it totally becomes fascistic yeah um yeah, i definitely. mean it, it, the other thing i think you know you're talking about you know the, obviously within the psychoanalytic framework like like the, the terms are arbitrarily gendered mm-hmm. and then but the funny thing is so you know I was like going to make a joke about how you rate you you uh, gender reductionist the child wants to return to the mother the father said no um but I personally find that the most gender reductive people are social justice warriors not only that, I mean, they, they sort of do like a redoubling towards uh, conservatism. Uh, I don't, know if I, t- yeah, I yeah. don't know if I told you about this. And this was just like the, 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 the fine line for me where I was just like, I was like really close to just like believing that snowflake was the right, <laughs> the right word for it for them. But um, mm-hmm. no, just kidding. I, I, it's, snowflake is even like it's, it's stupider. But um, I was listening to, I, I don't know if I told you, but there, I was listening to this podcast of, uh, of uh, video games, because I, I do that sometimes just to, just to pass the time or to fall asleep or whatever. And uh, there's, this, there's this new game that came out, which is basically sort of like uh, a zombie apocalypse type of thing. Mm-hmm. And the whole point of the game is just that you can kill some zombies. And along the way, you know, you'll get to an army that is like sort of like trying to kill you. So you kill a few uh, soldiers too. But I mean, what is that? Uh, if not, like, it's not, you're not enjoying murder when you enjoy uh, uh, pressing a button. Uh, it's more just, it's a sort of like a. a I don't know if it's even like a repression of aggression because if you don't mm-hmm, mm-hmm. practice sort of like small in small doses aggression in real life and you're just pressing mm-hmm. a button that's basically repression of violence it's not like you're yeah. enacting violence through like pressing a button that'll shoot a bullet or whatever in a video game yeah yeah but anyway I was listening to this it's basically like a vice you know vice uh they have yeah. like this yeah. <laughs> they have this podcast called waypoint and there's this fucking guy called Cato, um, and he was basically saying that he likes to play video games without killing anybody, because it, like, it makes him feel bad. So he'll go through the fucking video game without killing anybody, and like that's his goal. It's just like I don't, I don't, I don't want to kill anyone. It's, it's just not what I do. And they go through like an analysis of this video game, The Last of Us Two, and basically they're saying how. They're complaining the whole episode about how the characters in in this video game are not virtuous and that they make decisions that are unethical and that there's sort of like an incoherence of, of morality. And I just couldn't believe what I was hearing because I think Cato actually, this guy is, uh, I think he might be like transgender or something like that. Um, who knows? doesn't matter. But uh, basically like... I think it should be, I think it should be like widely known and accepted now that it is completely possible to be transgender and almost certainly completely conservative because their their analysis of the game was political to the point where it's just like, it's not okay for people to be sort of like exposed to this type of behavior in video games. How is that different from like the Christian right of the nineties? That's How exactly that what I was gonna say. So How is my that parents, so my parents used to like I grew up with them, sort of like uh, you know whatever I would watch like movies and stuff like in a period of my life was filtered by this fucking thing called uh, uh, Focus on the Family. I don't know if you know about it, but Focus on the Family <laughs> is basically like an institution that had a magazine, and in the magazine it was just like you know focus on the family so it was like they would do reviews of movies and they would be like okay this movie is okay to watch you can't watch this movie because it's too nihilistic or you can't watch this movie because it's too sexual or whatever uh and basically what this what these guys from vice are doing is just like 
I mean, of course, they won't tell you don't play the video game, but they're just like it's not ethical enough for me, and I don't like it that it doesn't that it doesn't invite me into a conversation about morality. And it's just like I just want to kill some fucking zombies. Like I don't. (laughs) I mean, this is the thing: is that everything gets abused. Just really, really quickly, isn't like aren't video games also meant to be sort of like an escape from the crushing pressure of moralism that we see every day, like from fucking liberals? It's just insane. I mean, it's they're an escape from politics, even altogether. Well, they could be essentially a, a political act in the frigging climate that we're in. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like this, this gender essentialism, like this whole thing of, of these women are better leaders because they're women. Yeah. Or these leaders, all these women, the coronavirus was done in these countries. So it's like, okay, let's just think about all the other reasons why that might be the case, why New Zealand is like extremely removed, you know, the most remote country and the sparse population, all these things. It's just this gender essentialism, but it's like, everything is completely literal. Like, I, it's this weird weaponization of like critical theory where you're like, oh, I know the secret, I can see below, and the secret is this. When the secret is within like actual theory that there is no fucking secret. Like that's basically like, if you wanna know anything about critical theory, actually, not the stuff that's actually like come out of like, the corporatized universities where they have to teach basically through an ideological lens that confirms capital now. Um, it's the, at the center of everything is nothing, is the unconscious, is a split. But now it's like, I just see it like this lightsaber that you like get this gender essentialist lightsaber and it goes through every layer of everything and like right down to the bottom. Everything means everything else. And now we have even these characters have to be moral. And even these, this represents this. Yeah. You said this, it represents this. You said this, it represents that. It's like, actually also in psychoanalysis, it's like anything can represent anything. Mm-hmm. Like the reason why you go to psychoanalysis and it doesn't work to say like, okay, I've had a dream about birds. Yeah, the um, wires are crossed in your mean? signification process. Like everything, anything can literally yeah. mean anything. This is why you have to go to like years of psychoanalysis before you even discover what your like subjective structure is. Like, yeah. whether this is a psychotic symptom or a hysteric symptom. like. But the, you know what bothers me, like, you know what bothers me the most about this whole thing? It's the weakness. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, to me, it's just like weakness is sort of like un- inexcusable in, in some ways. Um, what is it to me that, uh, like, what, the way that I see sort of like the leftist project and the leftist position is a fidelity to contingency. Uh, an mm-hmm. acceptance of the fact that not everything is going to be the way that we want it to be because that's just mm-hmm. fucking reality right but mm-hmm. um there's a there's a sort of like and like we said at the beginning it's just like adherence to the phallus of identity and that's that is that is explicitly right wing the thing to do yeah to say yeah. i am yeah. exactly what i say that i am and it's yeah. and it's a way to just like to to repress the fact that there is incongruence, there is inconsistency, and there's an incomplete nature to what we think that we are. Exactly, exactly. And the 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 other thing is like so to go back to this idea. Of, so for me, the left is like, well, we have material reality, and we have to try to make the best of our actual material reality. Some things can't be changed, and a lot of things can. But like, also, you know, it's almost we have to like have a scientific method whereby before every obstacle we say like literally, my, you know, I'm powerless, I know nothing, and I'm going to try and confront the situation. And, you know, we don't come with some like grand narrative of I'm a woman, therefore this, all people are like this, all people are like that. So, and also, so we come from like a universalist perspective. And one of the things about all of this essentialism and identities that is like really weird is that you're basically excluding yourself from... I, I, I don't really know how it works, because I kind of feel like when people fetishise, like another, like, fetishise women or whatever, women are special this, they have special magical leadership powers, they have special magical this, they're, ex- they're, they're excluding women from universality. Yeah. Right? Yeah, definitely. So, but why, what would, what, what's in it for people to exclude themselves from universality? Yeah. I mean... I guess that's that's what that's what like 
capture it as it wants you to do. I've been wanting to ask you. I've been wanting to ask you. There's okay. this. There's this psychoanalytic. Uh, well, uh, psychoanalyst from from Buenos Aires. Mm -hmm. uh, Argentina and um, he basically <laughs> he was saying that uh, the ultimate male misogynist is the the feminist male yeah okay so yeah, basically I agree with that. yeah so basically the guy that goes into the protests and it's just like uh, uh, yeah just like you know hating himself and just like beating himself down that is the ultimate misogynist why because he feels that he can sort of like change his identity at, at the snap of a finger into being in the shoes of a woman, right? Um, mm -hmm. So basically, yeah, I don't know. There's a there's a sort of like even that, even that, like even sort of like trusting your emotions to as a political gesture. There always is this like contingency to 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 that 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 fails why because identity as such like completely fails every time yeah yeah i know it totally does it totally does i mean and i, mean, I would even say and i would even say that like you know it's not that the woman's position in a in a march or, or in a protest or whatever is, is singular i mean i would say that even the woman's sort of position is split as well but the males the male the male sort of like involvement in in uh, in a protest like this uh precisely it's like not only does it does it sort of like cover over like his own sort of like split identity it's like transposing itself into like the feminine but without the split does that make mm -hmm. sense yeah no it does make sense it does make sense it's like you can put on put on like a put on a t-shirt yeah and that t-shirt represents everything that there is to do with being a woman um yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with everything you say. Um, so, yeah, no, but the, the thing is that I find with... Okay, so you, you grew up in religion. Yeah. And to me, it's like the people who go deepest into religion, like, you really believe... No, I mean, I literally, thought, I literally thought I was, like, immortal until I was, like, 20 Well, that's the thing. Old. It's like, if you literally, <laughs> if you literally believe in it, then yeah. it do, you know it doesn't... You, you really see the... You really see the fact that it doesn't work. And then the people I know who used to be religious or yeah. like evangelical, who've like moved out, they like genuinely believed it, but they mm. went in and they went out super fast. Okay. I mean, yeah. I, the only, I did not grow up religious, but I have experience with a certain, yeah. <laughs> a certain vision of the world. And I was in it for about like a few mm. months and like, it just doesn't work. And it completely, I'm you have a view of the world. Well, no, I don't. <laughs> I, I kind of wish I did. I kind of wish I did. Like, I'm constantly searching. Yeah, but, um, they, they, like, so, so, you know, you, then you see these people, like, go from one religious vision to another, and, you know, as I'm sure you observed, like, a lot of people who were these, the evangelical, or grew up evangelical, and then rejected their parents, have become, like, hardcore social justice people, and yes. it's just, it has exactly the same tenor as the original religion, like, yeah. but do these people actually believe it, like, because I kind of find that if you actually really hook, line, and sink and believe something, it won't work because it is not representative of material reality. Your life will get screwed up in some way. Something will go wrong and you won't be able to believe it anymore. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and I mean, okay, so I guess we should note that what we're saying is not that, that social justice doesn't matter or that it's not worth fighting for, but that it's, but that it's a mistake to sort of like consider that there can be a reality without without difficulty without suffering uh, uh without injustice i mean that is so, sort of like it's the residue of reality it's almost like what constitutes reality why because that's just the way that nature is uh and of course like like we said at the beginning that solidarity means that you come and go as a, as a sort of group uh, you you step back so that another group can 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 work, and you know there's always an exclusion uh, there because we can't all speak the truth all the time, wholly. Uh, and whenever a truth is a truth is sort of like the truth, uh, incomplete truth is sort of like implemented or like what Hegel would call the absolute. Um, there is always an ex an exclusion because it's not. 
it doesn't always include everything. It's impossible. It's just ontologically impossible. But uh, yeah, I think the social justice warriors basically sort of like their eyes are veiled by you know a phallus shaped uh, <laughs> uh, cloth or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and I think this is the thing: is it's like, um, as you say, yeah, all of the things are worth like trans rights are worth fighting for, like yeah. police brutality against certain, of course, you know, disproportionately against certain groups is worth fighting for. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. However, like the, the the universal has to be like the leading principle, yeah. and an understanding that there's no such thing as per- perfection. Yeah, and and look, I've I've been told this personally. I've been told this personally, uh, and because a lot of people think that like uh, Black Lives Matter is a universalist project. Okay, yeah. uh, fine, but I've been literally told personally that oh, don't bring your own sort of like problems into this. This belongs to black people. This belongs to police brutality. It belongs to sort of like a move towards like police reform or police sort of like abolition. And Mm -hmm. there's a sort of like a resistance for it to become universal because there's so much emphasis on identity that it's almost like the only sort of like point of reference for a lot of liberals. Identity is the Mm -hmm. only thing that can be uh, sort of like... uh, uh, achieved and yeah because they consider identity to be sort of like a particular thing that is uh completely static and whole Mm -hmm. well the thing is i mean well two things the solution to police brutality disproportionately towards certain groups is a universalist solution and it is basically it is it is like a way to it's capitalism is the problem and how do we overcome capitalism? We acknowledge the lack at the core of every single one of us. And mm-hmm. the lack is that the lack cannot be filled by a transcendent lost object. Yeah. So the solution is entirely universalist. Yeah. Entirely universalist. But unless, but and anything that doesn't take that into account, like it's not universalist, it's particularist. And yeah, any, the, the, any yeah, particular solution say. is yeah. not a solution, it's a more, it's a greater problem. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say that the identity is what gets in the way of the solution. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. The thing is, that, I mean, I don't know about the, the like roots of Black Lives Matter, because I guess the idea is like, it's like Black Lives Matter as well. You know, mm. that's, that's the idea which I think is like a universalist thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah, of course. Just as much as everybody else, this matters. Mm-hmm. So that's universalist. But the fact that, what was it, Bank of America gave six billion to Black Lives Matter, I mean, what, whatever that... But the thing is, none of these are ever like pure or quote-unquote, I'm using this in, uh, in Ireland, Northern Ireland, with like, the IRA, it starts off as one thing, then it becomes like all these like crazy... And I'm not, I'm not liking Black Lives Matter to the IRA, other than the fact that things start off as something and then become something else. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I mean, that's why I really liked, for example, the... the. It almost happens sort of like accidentally, I think. it's. I mean, not accidentally, but there's a sort of like... Things line up, the planets sort of like line up. When George Floyd in, in the video was like just like screaming out, um, uh, I can't breathe. I can't breathe, yeah. Yeah, that's universalist. I mean that should yeah, it yeah. should just like resonate with everyone. But there is also mm-hmm. this this sort of like move because of identity that gets in the way, which is just like no, this only belongs to us, and there's a stop for it mm-hmm. from it becoming sort of like a universal thing because it feels mm-hmm. like theft. Yeah, but th- this is the thing. It's well, so so like capitalism wants to keep um, particularities. Like like the whole notion of racism as we know it today is like precisely demanded by capital yeah. like it's demanded like at a certain point the, for the expansion of capitalism colonialism had to take place for it to continue and in order for that to be possible yeah. it had to be accepted <laughs> by people that certain people were not the same as others yeah i mean that's the other thing that but, we you were know, that's about. how yeah. it works yeah i mean that's the other thing that we were talking about before before we started recording is just like I mean, the major sort of like racists are the ones that are like trying to go like pre-colonial. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, so Hegel would talk about... The noble about, savage. Yeah, yeah. 
that, like Hegel would talk about this thing all the time, just like the absolute is not something that you strive towards. It's something that you already live within, and it's like yeah. a sort of yeah. like a retroactive, uh, 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 like a revisitation or whatever. And it's interesting that the desire of some of these like anti-colonialist thing uh, uh, thinkers, it's to it's it's wishful thinking about the past of something that never was. I mean, we mm-hmm. are already mm-hmm. within colonialism, and of course, that is extremely sort of like problematic. And there's a, the history of that is just incredibly uh, brutal. But it's it's just funny to me that <laughs> that that anti-colonialism and the encouragement from like white liberals towards like people of color to like to let go of the chains of colonialism it's basically an exclusion from like western society and western culture it's just like as a gesture it's basically sort of like you're not meant to be here you're meant to be somewhere else doing Mm -hmm. your own thing and it's it's an exclusion and it's it's so funny do you see that list list of traits that are deemed to be white and these are just like just (laughs) like symptoms of like these are just facts of living in society like you, uh, adhering to time yeah. is is why it's like well how do you <laughs> how do you do anything with other people you yeah. know and it's like it's not why like people have used sundials all over the world you know i'm sure they said it like when this sun is in the sky at this point you know it's it's, mm-hmm. it's how has it come to how has it come to this i mean how yeah. how has it but I mean, I guess it's we we're under like extremely exploitative capitalistic conditions. I mean, it's and people are just under so much pressure, and then they resort to you know, religion is the opium of the people. Yeah, I'm just saying this corporate social justice is the opiate of the the hordes of people who are becoming more and more proletarianized by inequality. It's just so funny to me that liberals are incapable of seeing that that capitalism is the problem. Yeah. Well, it's because it still benefits them. Yeah. Marginally, marginally, it, 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 you know, there's a, especially our generation, like, you know, more and more proletarianized, it's fewer and fewer, you know, quote unquote elite jobs. And like, in order to retain that position, one must adhere to an ideological system that confirms the position. And um, I have to say, have you, you know, like the, talking about like, who are the real racists? Like the, the, the white fragility book. I mean, I obviously haven't read it. I've seen extracts, and I'm like, yeah, I agree with you, lady. You wrote this book. What's she called? Robin DiAngelo. You are a racist. Yes. It's clear you are a racist. <laughs> From I, what you were saying, like, I, uh, I, could, yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm sorry that you're a racist. I'm sorry that you had to write a book about it. But like, who, yeah. who thinks this shit? Who no, thinks this shit? I give a shirt. I give a shirt to a friend of mine that basically says in sort of like African print, I'm not racist anymore, exclamation point. Because he was very into sort of like the documentaries of like, you know, uh, like black people and stuff. And it's fine, yeah. whatever. But also, I'm just wondering, like, what do you get out of, uh, of watching a documentary on black people that is very sad? It's emotional enjoyment. And at the same, it's, it's really funny to me because... Okay, that that sort of like the premise of what that that shirt says. Like, I'm not racist anymore. I think it's so funny that one, it's you can't say that you're racist explicitly because that'll get you in a lot of trouble, right? Um, but you can't also say that you're like that you're not racist because there's always like this thing of like check your racism. You're racist even mm-hmm. if you don't even mm-hmm. know it. It's always already there. So. What is the point in between? And the point in between is I'm not racist anymore, but it's also obscene because you're saying that you were racist. Okay, there's a, there's a few things to say. You know, the, the white the white book. I think it's just talking about like solipsism and like because I feel this way, the entire world. You know, it's like so this potentially <laughs> like we have a racist person who's written a book and is making like a shit ton of money out of like just basically admitting she's a racist but like it has to be like no i'm not just racist myself but like everyone in the entire world is racist you know <laughs> i can't be it just um but uh yeah what's i gonna say no I, I, it is it, yeah but, but also the shifting of the goalposts as well it's this perpetual enjoyment it's like so so levi strauss i i can't remember where he writes this but there's a 
this idea of a um i think this 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 parable depicts the human tendency to enjoy dissatisfaction so but like painfully as in as in the the, the correct analysis is you should admit, imagine sisyphus happy yeah however so but but basically so it's a guy who picks up a rock yeah. and he can't he's desperate to pick up a rock and he can't he can't lift it he goes into another can't lift it and so what ends up happening is he ends up keep keeping instead of looking for a rock that he can lift he starts to look for a rock he cannot lift yeah and it's like this changing goalposts of things i think is similar to that yeah, yeah it's so like it's impossible to perpetually yeah yeah so you have to keep shifting yeah. you know exactly because you think like oh this is gonna this is gonna well this is this is the thing it's what we're talking about with intersectionality and it's like oh we just now we'll just tag on capitalism as another intersection you know what it should be like, instead of instead of uh intersectionality it should be circumcisionality right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so that's good so so basically like it doesn't work not because you haven't tagged on this other thing, not because you haven't changed the goalposts of what constitutes racism. It's because the key antagonism hasn't been addressed. Mm -hmm. And the key antagonism is, is to do with particularities as a result of the cause of the antagonism. Yeah. Not, you know, the identity and the antagonism alongside it. No, it's the, the antagonism that causes the issues that result in what we see as identity questions. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh man. But yeah. I always end up just Go. a little bit more depressed every every time we finish uh, uh, one of the episodes. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. I'm sorry. There's I'm sorry. No, no. I mean, it's not like I need your help with. <laughs> I like it. It would happen even if it was just me speaking by myself. But um, yeah, definitely. I don't know. Just things are so out of whack right now. Yeah. It, the thing is, it's, it's difficult. Like, I always find, for me, like, the answer is, it's shit. Mm -hmm. You accept rock bottom and you carry on anyway. Like, I can't go on, I'll go on. Yeah. However, there are, you know, it's like the Becca thing. However, there are times when it's just, like, so, so, so bad that you literally can't go on. Like, I think I've experienced this recently and I think, I like, maybe this is the collective unconscious. Like, it's funny, I'm kind of finding in this, like, separateness of lockdown, like, be feeling really bored one week and lose my friends be like, yeah, I'm feeling really bored. And then another week, I'm feeling really depressed. Yeah, I'm feeling really depressed. Yeah. There's, like, a general kind of, like, wave of emotion. But, like, right now, it's, you know, because obviously you have to orientate yourself towards something, like, depression is essentially a lack of desire and desire is you have to orientate it around some like end goal that yeah. could be achieved so when there's nothing on the horizon it's like what how do you how do you go on it's um it's really difficult no, i mean really it's just like identity really that's what that's what we came up with after i mean after 68 identity like that again it's just uh I mean, it really does. It's just like first as tragedy, then as farce, you know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, but I don't know. It's difficult to find it funny, though. Even though it's very funny. well, you, you laugh. So you laugh because it's so unfunny. Yeah. Yeah. It just becomes a joke. It's like somebody on stage, like bombing. Yeah. Anyway, should we end it there? Let's end it there. Okay. Um, on that note yeah thanks for listening thanks for listening okay <laughs> bye bye